0: He's so intense. He's different. John is hyper antsy, born with that DNA that's got the extra.
1: That DNA that's got the extra.
0: He's got that DNA that's got the extra. I want to put that on my business cards.
1: Episode 42 John McEnroe is Autistic.
0: Welcome to the Autistic Culture Podcast. Each episode, we dive deep into autistic contributions to society and culture by introducing you to some of the world's most famous and successful autistics in history.
1: Before we get started, a quick disclaimer on how we use the word autistic. The purpose of this show is not to diagnose the people or characters we discuss as autistic. While some may have announced being autistic, what we're really sharing here is our observation of what is representative of autistic culture. It can sometimes be difficult for autistic people to celebrate our natural tendencies and traits due to the perception of autism as a disorder that needs to be fixed, a long history of damaging medical interventions to get autistics to fit in with mainstream culture, and protective masking skills many of us have developed to try to stay safe.
0: Whether you are Autistic or just love someone who is, your hosts, Dr. Angela Loria, the Linguistic Autistic,
1: and licensed psychological practitioner, Matt Lowry, welcome you to take this time to be fully immersed in the language, values, traditions, norms, and identity of Autistica. Autistica. Well, hey, Matt, we made it to episode 42. 42? Don't panic. No panicking. Got my towel ready for the improbability drive. Episode 42 is about sports ball.
0: Sports ball. Oh, that is very improbable. What, what,
1: what,
0: what (laughs) What manner of our people is involved with the sports ball? Well,
1: I do have an actual amazing representation of Autistic culture from the sports ball, but I'm going to roll you back a little bit to how I ended up in this particular pool, because let me tell you, I should not be allowed to talk about anything athletic. This This is not my realm of expertise, but you know, special interests run deep. Of course. You have probably heard me talk about my special interest in the music arena, which is Crowded House. Oh yes, yes. Crowded house. Oh, Oh, I think I sent you once. You 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 collected things for me. I collected. Yes,
0: yes, because I still need to send that to you before you go to England.
1: Yes, correct. Okay, so crowded house. This is very complicated. I'm gonna info dump on you. I don't care if you want to hear it. You're hearing it anyway, everybody. The. The lead singer and founder of Crowded House is from Auckland, New Zealand. However, the band Crowded House is an Australian band. Why, you might ask? Because they were formed in Melbourne, Australia, where two of the other members of the band, Nick and Paul, were from Melbourne. So the two guys are Australian, but the band is formed in Australia. So Crowded House, Australian band, lead singer, Kiwi, from New Zealand. Neil Finn lives pretty close to this beach called Carrie Carrie, which is where the film The Piano was made. Oh, yeah. And if you picture Harvey Keitel, you can sort of picture like an ethereal-looking lady playing piano on the beach. That's Carrie Carrie Beach. That's where Crowded House albums are recorded. I got lots of great stories from Carrie Carrie. But it has a crazy surf, very intense surf. So one day, Neil Finn... And Eddie Vedder, I promise we'll get to sports ball soon, people. Stay with me. Eddie Vedder and Neil Finn are recording. Eddie Vedder from Pearl Jam fame are recording at the studio in Kerry Kerry And they go out surfing and or swimming or whatever. And Eddie Vedder gets carried away by the tide and Neil has to rescue him. So this is this very iconic moment where Eddie and Neil become very good friends. They record a version of Neil Young's "Racking in the Road," keep on racking in the real world. And I somehow weirdly become a Pearl Jam fan because this is what happens with our special interests is like they have all these adjacent interests. So now I'm interested in New Zealand. Why? That's strange. I'm interested in Eddie Vedder and Pearl Jam and then Pearl Jam covers of Rockin' in the Real World, which none of these things would I would have found without Crowded House, but there we are. So there's this version of Rockin' in the Real World where John McEnroe is playing guitar because it turns out John McEnroe is a guitar player, which you will hear about. It is one of his special interests. And he also has become friends with Eddie Vedder.
0: That is fascinating.
1: And so I have this very strange way in to the world of John McEnroe via Crowded House, how I find all things And yes, it is. I did not enter the world of John McEnroe through tennis, but rather through Crowded House.
0: Yeah, yeah, because now I have the mental picture of him doing like a Johnny B. Good thing with a tennis racket, and it's somehow making music. Yep,
1: pretty much. That's you got it. Yes. Anyway, all right. But I was familiar with John McEnroe, sort of in the zeitgeist, and he is on this Netflix show. He does a voiceover right now for this Netflix show, Never Have I Ever, which is super cute. But for those of you not in the know, um, John McEnroe, between 1980 and 1985, was the number one uh, player for 170 weeks of that in singles, tennis. And the number, many weeks. And for 257 weeks, he was the number one doubles player. Wow. So he's actually better at doubles even than singles. Who knew? He won seven Grand Slam singles, nine Grand Slam men's doubles titles, five at Wimbledon, four at the U.S. Open, Grand Slam mixed doubles title. That means one girl, one guy. uh, At the French Open. So just an epic player, definitely one of the best in the world and certainly the best in the world, particularly in 1984, which is a super pivotal year that we will spend some time talking about. He was born in Germany, um, but grew up in Queens, basically moved to New York when he was seven months old. So he is a true right and true New Yorker. And... Um, weird turn of events. He lived a block from a tennis court. So when he was eight and a half years old, he was just into like sports in general. And when he was eight years old, eight and a half years old, he starts playing tennis. There's a bunch of, it's kind of near flushing, which is where the US Open is. There's these great tennis players that are at this court a block from his house and he gets pretty serious about tennis really quickly at 14 becomes like the junior champion. And he ends up at Wimbledon at 18 years old. So it's wow. 1977. And it's just like, um they have like this main draw, like he wasn't ranked. He wasn't seated. Maybe he should have played one match there, but he keeps winning. People are like, what is the deal with this dude? And he ends up in the semifinals against Jimmy Connors, who's like the guy of the moment. Loses in straight sets, loses in four sets. So wins a set, but basically loses terribly, but he's 18 years old, makes a huge mark.
0: That's impressive.
1: And that thus begins his career in professional tennis. He also, not too long later in 86, I guess, ends up marrying Ryan O'Neill's daughter, Tatum O'Neill. Ah, yes. They have three kids, messy divorce, drugs are involved. Maybe we'll talk about that a little bit, but didn't go well. He ends up with sole custody of their three kids and then marries a woman named Patty Smythe.
0: Ah, boy.
1: Do you know? So I did like two hours of research for this episode on Patty Smith. Who it turns out is different than Patty Smythe. So, Patty Smythe was from the band Scandal and yeah. it was like shooting at the walls of heartache, bang, bang. I am, I am the, the warrior. warrior.
0: Yeah, her. Yeah, yeah I, I turned into an anxiety related song because I am the warrior.
1: I am the yeah. warrior. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's her.
1: He marries Patty, that Patty, not the other Patty, who I did lots of research on. Maybe I might have an episode on her after all that. They have two daughters together. They live in Manhattan. Uh, he finishes up with tennis, becomes a commentator. Great. Does this never have I ever. Has a super weird website. I'm going to link to it in the show notes. He, he's like, I'm doing a career pivot and I would like to do your voiceover. No job is too small. And would you like me to do the ad for your like local car dealership? Or I'm pretty sure we could hire John McEnroe to do our, like I don't know, intro to this show.
0: We should, because we, if we can, we, we must.
1: I, I, we may yeah, do we, that. It's literally like begging for business. He's like, no job too small. Hire me. I'm doing a career pivot. I'm like... Okay, my guy. Trying
0: to hire him to like uh, do all the alarms on my phone, and he'll scream, "It's oh. time for coffee."
1: Yes, he does that on the website. He has somebody's voicemail. He like did some ladies outgoing voicemail. Ah, okay.
0: does, does he just love
1: voiceover work? Is, he really is, is he does. Is Danny Elfman transition here, or he is? And it's like you know, we did our. Uh, it's our animation is autistic episode, but yeah. we talked about like voiceovers and how, yeah. what a natural fit it is to autistic people. He is wildly in love with voiceover work now. Fascinating. He's like obsessed. And I do think it's a, it's a definitely an autistic special interest. Check out the website. It's crazy. He's like wow. so into it. I found this website and I thought it was a joke. Hold on. I'm going to tell you what it is in case you want to go peep while I'm talking. Um, but- I- <laughs> I must. <laughs> I was one. So it's johnmackinroe.squarespace.com. I 100% believed it was like a fake website when I found it. I'm like, oh, this is like a fan website. Especially since he apparently didn't pay
0: for the domain name and stuck with Squarespace. It's
1: the most bizarre thing. He clearly made the website himself. I don't know what's going on there. But wow. He-
0: yeah, it's johnmackinroe.squarespace. <laughs> Watch my documentary. That, yeah. With with a pile of tennis balls there.
1: He's real. You haven't
0: heard the. Le- wow. And it's like uh, 150 point font. He's very, very. He, he's very yelling true. through text because maybe it's because you'd have only noticed it when I was yelling at line judges.
1: Yes, we are going to wow, talk about I, that in one second.
0: I do like. And there's pictures of him yelling. This it's is fantastic. very
1: sweet. Many pictures I'm of him yelling. Lay <laughs> this on
0: me because, oh my God,
1: this is. <sighs> Bizarre. This is magnificent. He's like, I'm changing my career late in life. Hire me. I'm like, okay, John McEnroe. He also has two uh, two autobiographies. Did you find something you love you need to share on that website? You made a face.
0: I, I, I'm just fascinated by the hire me button. Yeah. And uh, he's got a shopping <laughs> cart. Yeah. Where oh, the shopping win. cart's great. Yeah, that's really great. uh, We can have five John McEnroes in the shopping cart? Uh Uh-huh. No, you get a... a, Don't call me unless you're John McEnroe. Don't call me unless
1: you're John McEnroe.
0: Yes. Wow. Oh, my God. I love his swag. It's bizarre. Uh,
1: Okay, I'm going to tell you a funny dating story, then I'll get back to John McEnroe. But I was in Charleston, South Carolina... When I was single and swiping right and left on various profiles. And I met, it,
0: that's a sucky thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I met this guy, can't remember his name now, but we're like Facebook friends or Twitter friends or TikTok friends or something. I see him every once in a while, but I'm blanking. But he shows up on our first date. By the way, like when you're dating and you're traveling, you're looking for the joy of a date. Like, you're going to go to dinner and you're going to have fun. You're not like thinking this is going to be a long term relationship. I mean, people long distance date, but I was just more like, hey, I'm in town for work. I got nothing to do at night. It'd be fun to just like meet someone and hang out. So I met this guy. Oh, forgot his name now. Anyway, he showed up with two things. One was a gift for me, and one was Alf. The,
0: the, 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 from Melmac, Gordon Shumway.
1: The little puppet.
0: Alf. Yeah. The, the one who uh, finds cats delicious, which is probably a dirty joke,
1: but yes. Yep. Just showed up with Alf. Just the whole As one does. date. The gift for me. And I like, we had talked, I mean, you, you've been on the app. So it's not like we said that much. How are you? I'm in town. What are you into? Like, blah, blah, blah. You want to go out to dinner? Sure. I'll show you my town. I love going on dates out of town. Cause like, you get to see it from a local's eyes. So he's like, I'll show you Sunset Beach. I think it's called in Charleston. Like, I'm going to show you. He showed me all his cool shit in Charleston, which is a really cool town. And he brought me the gift for a reason I didn't understand. But it was the John McEnroe book, You Cannot Be Serious. Which uh, yeah, is very was. nice. But, yeah. So he brought me that book. There's a second John McEnroe book, But Seriously. So I had already read You Cannot Be Serious because, I don't know, somebody gave me a book, I had to read it. Uh, but for this episode, I also read But Seriously and I watched that documentary he mentions, which is on Showtime, but you can get it if you have Amazon Prime. Uh, there. And I listen to many, many podcasts. I have gone down the John McEnroe rabbit hole and I'm going to info dump on you about him. But everything... Even that title, You Cannot Be Serious, which we're going to talk about right now, everything comes down to his meltdowns.
0: Ah, which are quite serious, I'm assuming. And I
1: think you even, you already had made some sort of, uh, you know, John McEnroe temper joke, like John McEnroe temper, like they, oh, we were talking about his website, he's got...
0: Yeah, that is... That that uh, according to his merch, there is a lot about the yelling that that seems to be his niche in the market. Yes, so fascinating.
1: I want to do in this episode a little bit of a reinterpretation of who John McEnroe might have been if autism wasn't stereotyped and shunned and shut down in society because the meltdowns are really just a reaction. Like, I don't think meltdowns are part of autistic culture as much as meltdowns are like a reaction to how we get treated. Due being to the our hyperconnected
0: brains, the uh, in the hyperdense, hyperconnected amygdala, and a very big response to what we perceive as being not fair or overstimulating.
1: <sighs> well, not fair indeed. You cannot be serious. Comes from June twenty second, nineteen eighty one. He's playing at Wimbledon, and. I know nothing about sports. So everybody, you can put the mean comments, go to Substack and tell me how stupid I am. I got you. But I'm going to give you my interpretation of this. When you play tennis, there are times when the ball has to be inside a certain area. And if you hit the line, it's in. And if you are outside of the line, it's out. And there are these people called line judges who decide if the ball is in or out. Before the game, they mark the area with chalk, or they did in 1981. I don't know, maybe they use something else now, but it was chalk. And so he is playing tennis. He hits the ball. He sees a plume of chalk, which would indicate that it, it, I'm sorry, it's called a puff of chalk, which would obviously indicate the ball hit the line. Cause how can there be a puff of chalk if you didn't hit the line? Yeah. And it is called out, but he knows that it is in because he saw a spray of chalk. Do, do you see how he is right? Like he yeah, is yeah,
0: chalk tends not to move on its own unless uh, something else activates it.
1: Right. So he's like, "There's the chalk." Like he's like, "You can How can you be arguing with me? I I see the chalk line." And this ball gets called out, and he loses the match, or is in jeopardy of losing this match. Uh, this this chair umpire is Edward James. Who is Scottish and John McEnroe? Even though it's pronounced Mac, it's actually McEnroe. It's M C. John McEnroe is Irish, so they already have a little Scottish Irish thing going on there. Natural enemies, and he's like literally—you cannot be serious. So he's a—it's Wimbledon Championship. He is just about to beat Bjorn Borg. And he is going to lose because of what is clearly a wrong call. And now we're about to call him like difficult, an asshole. We're going to show this clip of him throwing his racket and saying, you cannot be serious. Over and over.
0: Over a bad call.
1: It was a bad call.
0: When it was objectively incorrect.
1: You cannot be serious. Aren't you mad for him? Like, yes. you cannot be serious. I can that, see that the ch- is, you cannot be serious.
0: Yes, that that the, there is evidence to support his position on that. So therefore, he is objectively correct.
1: OK, so we're talking about millions of dollars in prize oh money, 400,000, but endorsement. So like here are two oh, yeah. possible scenarios. Scenario one, you're about to lose a million dollars. You hit the ball. It's in. You see the chalk go up. The line judge says out, and you're like, oh, okay. That, that's one option. Option number two is it's called out, and you're like, hey, that was actually in. Cause, did you see the chalk? And then they're like, chalk doesn't matter. Could it just been some residue chalk? He's like, no, there was a spray of chalk. And he's like, I've already called it out. Play on. No, I'm not oh playing on. It was $400,000 plus millions of dollars endorsements. You cannot be serious. Who is the sane person here? Please tell me who is sane. What is sane? Like, we should just, like, it's $400,000. That
0: that infringes upon my justice sensitivity.
1: Right. And I don't understand, I, like, literally do not understand how what we have made right in society by the majority of people is... Let's just be nice, even if something is wildly unfair and you lose millions of dollars. Like, just please sit quietly. We say if you say something, see something, but we don't actually mean that. If you say some, if you see something, pretend you said something. I don't understand what the rules are.
0: Was the judge biased for the
1: other player? Well, I think he, like, we got the Scottish, I'm, Scottish, I I don't know. Nobody uh, liked him because he was American. Bjorn Bjorn Borg was European. And people thought that McEnroe was an asshole. Like this wasn't his first expression of justice. I mean, they call call him tantrums, on court tantrums, arguing with umpires, difficulty regulating emotions and outbursts. I just want to call it like, sane, and what the fuck is everyone else doing?
0: Yeah, I, I have an issue when my justice sensitivity is offended, and I have been known to be called an asshole myself on occasion.
1: Right. Lots so, of occasions. Yes, well, I'm going to give you a quote from our guy, Johnny Mack, on this one. Uh, so this quote comes from when all of this was happening back in the 80s, but there, there are many reflections, but here's where he was at that point
0: people started to recognize me. Are you that brat guy? And it completely changed my life. I was like, they don't understand me. I'm a nice guy, but of course I wasn't real nice on the court at times. Cause right. he took it very seriously.
1: Cause like, why, what is the why alternative? Would you not? Why would you not, why would you be doing it if it wasn't yeah. serious?
0: Yeah. If you're not willing to do it to the best of your ability, then why do it at all?
1: Yes. Uh, very unclear to me. So, um, anyway, this is how he is known. This is how he is talked about in the press. And this is what shapes him. Cause remember he started to get called these names really young. Like he's in this really, there's no like college, there's no formative years. He is just this guy. And, um, I'll read this one to you, but this is from the documentary. So this is like the voiceover artist in the documentary says, much like his son, the elder McEnroe, John's dad, frequently lost his temper. And so uh, his dad said, we understood John's outbursts. And in our family, we didn't think they were bad. And then John, as he's talking about this, so like before he was in the national spotlight, this was the thinking that John had from his family.
0: I'm going to fight for what I think is right. That's the way I was brought up. Right. Justice sensitivity.
1: Right. Why would you not? So like, it was normalized in his family. Then all of a sudden he's super young, super uh, in the national spotlight. And it definitely did not go well. And we were not diagnosing people with autism. We didn't have all the research. We didn't know that. But I will share with you, um, Patty is the one who sort of figured out that her husband was uh, autistic. And this is what she said.
0: He is a strange bird. He is slightly on the spectrum. He likes his routine. Super good in math. Very heightened senses. He doesn't notice some things I would think would be obvious to notice, but he has an incredible eye for art. I would think that he's not that visual, but he's very visual.
1: So she so, yeah. catches on to it, but this is... Years and years later. So this is his second wife. So all of his formative years, he just thinks exactly what I thought about myself. I'm just an asshole. I'm just that brat.
0: Yeah. After you get, after you're told it several times, it starts to internalize.
1: Especially like in the international press. Yeah. Right. So now at this point, what McEnroe says is he agrees with Patty's theory. He says, it's safe to say that I'm probably somewhere around there. Um, so nice. I guess that's like semi self-diagnosed. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it's obvious that this what I want to talk about is really his influence on autistic culture. And this meltdown thing makes it hard, I think, for him to just say I'm autistic because it seems like what people's interpretation of that is, is like, oh, you couldn't control these outbursts as opposed to you have a pretty clear sense of justice and fairness and you're going to fight for what's right, which is what was being told to him inside his family. And
0: yeah, because this is the way. When autistic people find a special interest, they go deep and have a lot of knowledge, even if they don't have that formal education background to go with it. If you want to capture your spin in a book, check out Angela's work at DifferencePress.com. DifferencePress.com. And find out more about becoming an author and establishing your credibility with a book.
1: So, John McEnroe, obviously very young, a very good player. So how did that happen? This, I think, is such a great example of uh, our hyper-connected brain. So at the same time he's playing tennis, when he's about eight, he's obsessed with Chess.
0: As one should be, because yes. of our bottom-up processing.
1: Uh-huh. And so he begins at the same time, and like I've done this, you're doing one thing and you're doing another thing, they're unrelated, but you start crossing them in Which your head. Why
0: I still think about him voicing Elf, and I want to pay him to say, Hi, I'm John McEnroe playing Elf. and right. Because of the you know, cross-wiring.
1: The little cross-wiring, yeah. yes. He did not play Alf. So he says... As I'm learning how to play tennis, I start to see it as a bunch of squares so that to him, the tennis court looks like a chessboard.
0: I like and that. He
1: says, I turn the game of tennis into a math equation and Jeez. I was already good at math. So each. So it, can you see the chessboard on the tennis court and then uh. where you put the ball and then do the moves
0: that's some fine sports ball. I like that sports ball. Do you
1: get it? So, depending on where the ball landed, just like if you were playing chess, and we talk about this in our Chess is Autistic episode, he sees it as a chessboard and then he has a different move depending on which square the ball lands in. So he's got like 100 permutations. If the ball lands in this square, I go here. If the ball lands in this square, I go here. And as he's falling asleep at night, he's playing these chess moves in his head. If the ball lands here, I could go here, here, here. If I go here, this will happen. If I go here, this will happen.
0: As the wind does.
1: Right? So good. And so, and he's in New York. He's walking around the city in the 80s and he starts looking at the city and the layout of the city. And he loves walking around the city at night and he just sees the patterns in the city. And he wants to like the grids. Yes. And he knew exactly which square on the tennis court grid he wanted the ball to land on. And he's like, if I put the ball on this square on the grid, they're going to get it back to me in one of these squares. So it looks when you, and this is what I'm like with books. So I loved reading about this. When you're watching John McEnroe play tennis, one of the things that's like super amazing about him, because he wasn't like he didn't look as muscular as the other guys. Like he looks kind of like a scrawny kid, and it looks like he's psychic. Like people are like, "How does he know where the ball is going to come? He's always there before the person has even hit the ball." And none of the common, none of the commentators can figure out. Like he has this hand-eye coordination that before the ball is hit by the other player.
0: Because he knows physics.
1: Right. So, That's awesome. So, Billie Jean King. Ah, yes. She. Uh, we covered
0: a- her in the Peanuts episode because she's the real-life basis for Peppermint Patty.
1: Oh, I forgot about that.
0: Yeah, That's true. Peppermint Patty is canonically gay because uh, of uh, her being Charles Schultz's friend and he deciding that she needed representation. I love
1: that she is peppermint patty well she was a huge john McEnroe like fan at the time and she was like how does he like read the ball's mind how does he know and this is her analysis
0: he's so intense he's different john is hyper antsy born with that dna that's got the extra
1: that DNA that's got the extra.
0: He's got that DNA that's got the extra. I want to Uh put that on my business cards.
1: uh, Me too. That I would like that to just be my title. So what he does, that's like super, here's my sports analysis. I love it. But what he does that's super different is he can get to the net faster so like most people will play at the back of the tennis court so like the ball is going all the way back all the way back it's like this volley but he'll hit it but then he gets up to the net and then since he's so much closer to the ball he'll like smack it down and you can't get to it yeah and they're like how does he anticipate the ball like this and the answer is pattern matching
0: oh yes that ah, is the so answer
1: cool. of how he does it. So when you're doing pattern matching, now follow me through here. When you're doing this pattern matching, you know what's going to happen, right? It's like if you're playing chess and you're like, I'm going to play the pawn. They're going to play the rook. This is going to happen. That's going to happen. You know what's going to happen. Yeah. And it doesn't go that way. And there's that mismatch between your, what you think is going to happen and what actually happens.
0: It triggers the expectation sensitivity.
1: Correct. I was like, what do we call that, Matt?
0: Yes. Because all autistic people, we have that expectation sensitivity because we live in a world full of chaos and we need things to be predictable. Hence the patterns.
1: Right. So when they say it's not in and he knows it's in, it is possible it's not in. Although most of the time when you check this video footage, which they couldn't do at that point. Most of the time, John McEnroe was actually right. Yeah. But even if, it, even if he's not right, what's happening is he knows what was supposed to happen. So there's this expectation sensitivity that is triggered. And this is how, um, in one case, when he has uh, a meltdown on the court, this is how he explains it.
0: The first round of Wibbleton always made McEnroe tense and agitated, but this time the stress and angst was horrific. The devils were crawling all over my brain that afternoon.
1: That's how yeah, McEnroe yeah. explained it. The I devils. I felt that were- before. I was like, how autistic is that description? Yeah. Because de- you've got this anxiety. The whole world is watching. You're supposed to win this game. You're like an up and coming player. You're the best player. You're whatever. How many times have you gamed out or scripted like how this is going to go?
0: He scripts moves.
1: One billion times. He knows how it's going to go. It then goes that way. The crowd at this point was like with him. He's talking about one. There's one game at the French Open that he ends up losing. Super heartbreaking is the only Grand Slam he hasn't won in singles and Grand Slam tournament. And the crowd is with him. Everything's going the way he scripted. There's a call. He's got the devils crawling over his brain. He has a meltdown and the crowd flips out and they switch on him. They uh. switch sides and he doesn't know what happened because he was right. And this feeling I describe all the time is like I was expect I was expecting flowers. Yes. Like how, Why are you? Why <laughs> I are was you? Doing mad?
0: Everyth- I was doing everything correct. Why do you not like me now?
1: Yeah. So this is another great John wrote. quote. Oh.
0: <laughs> uh, I'm, uh, I know patterns myself, apparently. <laughs> yes. uh, he says, I was actually sort of taken aback that people were sort of bit out of shape, shall we say. It really surprised me. And so it got really frustrating. I got more and more defensive and then rebellious, I guess, you know, and it just kept blowing up. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's the pattern. This is the that's- way. He, he had planned for this to happen, and then when it didn't happen, he did not expect that reaction.
1: Yep. So he talks about uh, I, I kept I kept doing the asshole thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, and that is not what it is, but that's mm-hmm. what he certainly believed at the time. Is like he, he's like I kept self sabotaging. I kept, uh, and so he's like, all right, I've got the answer. Least-
0: At least he has control over that because he can control the outcome. If he knows that these will have that outcome, that is predictable at least.
1: Mm -hmm. Yep. So then he flips it. And this is a really interesting technique. I don't necessarily recommend this, but I can see how it made him a lot of money. Um, So he's like, great. Crowd's going to turn on me. I'll show them. When he first starts in tennis, he focuses on the people on the crowd who are behind him. But then he's like, I get it. People, I'm the asshole. I got it. I got cast as the asshole. And so he stops focusing on the people in the crowd who are behind him. And instead, he focuses on all the people who hate him. And he uses this as fuel and his mantra, like the thought he's thinking through the games is I'll show them. I'm just going to be the best tennis player. I will show them. I will win. You want to make me your asshole. Great. Make me your asshole. I'm going to win. And becomes a total loner, like really struggles with friends, really struggles with relationships In a minute, we're going to talk about really struggles with cocaine. Um,
0: Yeah. (laughs) But he's
1: so misunderstood, but also the best tennis player in the world. And he says at this point, he becomes a ghost.
0: Yeah. Well, when you're rejected, we do have that rejection sensitivity dysphoria. Because we know that people don't like us. We know that people find us off-putting. So therefore, we stop trying. Right. Right. Being lonely and autistic is that it is a terrible state.
1: It is not great. It is not great. So, uh, he's Wimbledon is in England. There is a Scottish solicitor general who's like their head lawyer guy, like the head of the justice department. And for some reason during Wimbledon, he feels like he needs to chime in on John McEnroe and calls John McEnroe, I want to talk about each of these words: selfish, vulgar, self interested, and cheap. And those were his good points. Cheap, cheap meaning cheap meaning like low class. Oh,
0: well, yeah, like that, right. that's like how we you know talked about uh, Kinsey being called a communist for no reason because right. they were just looking for ways to disparage him. Like right. wow, they they just threw out a bunch of words that mean things I don't like you.
1: Right. But this idea of being arrogant, I feel like, comes up. I think if you even ask John McEnroe today, he will say, like, one of my big flaws is that I'm arrogant.
0: Well, that's uh, if he's right, then if he's calculated it and it's correct and this is the correct outcome, then being right, there's a lot of people who erroneously consider that arrogant. But I'm a bit biased on that one.
1: Yeah. So I think this will make perfect sense to you. Especially considering the Kinsey episode, the Solicitor General of the United Kingdom says, "This is a quote: John McEnroe is the biggest threat to decency on this island." Oh my
0: God, that's a bit of really? hyperbole, isn't it?
1: Really, the biggest threat? Yeah, that's what you got. Maggie yeah. Thatcher is in office, right? They are shutting down coal mines. People are starving in the north of wow. England. That that biggest is- threat. Wow. So the Miami uh, Herald at this point does a poll on who are the most hated villains in the world. It's 1984. Oh my God. And the most hated villains, uh, starting at number one, is Hitler. It's a classic. It's a go-to. I like it.
0: That number two,
1: well Attila the Hun. I'm going to start counting backwards. Number five, Mussolini. Uh, yeah, definitely in the top five. Yep. This is a sign of the times, but number four, the serial killer, Son of Sam.
0: Yeah, I would say so. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Good. Should not and have then, listened to that dog. Yep. And then number three, right between Attila the Hun and Son of Sam, John McEnroe.
0: Above Son of Sam and Mussolini, you say?
1: Yes. Just, just behind Hitler and until it and
0: on. Because of being angry about tennis. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Tell me again why we do this
0: work. Wow. Neurotypicals are uh, 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 a wee bit dramatic on that.
1: So I saw recently you're working on a project uh, around suicide yes, and autistic yes. people. I'm just curious if the Miami Herald labeled you the third biggest villain of in the world you know wow. just behind hitler and attila the hun and if the solicitor general of the, of scotland named you the biggest threat to decency in a whole country yeah. do you think that might make you suicidal
0: wow that that is in that is ridiculously hard on someone
1: I, right wow I mean, this is, uh, to me, uh, part of why autistic lifespans, and we don't have good data here because so many people are undiagnosed or underdiagnosed. So We don't even really know what we're talking about, but we know suicide levels among autistic people are very high. I know somebody listening to this show right now has something going on that must feel like Uh, this felt like to John McEnroe at the time. And it probably wasn't this big, but it feels that big to you.
0: It feels crushing.
1: The world hates me and I'm a terrible person. And I kind of think they might be right.
0: Yeah. Because that's the internalized stuff because you can only hear it so many times before you believe it.
1: I mean, the whole Miami Herald votes on it. it, It can't be me. But I am here to tell you, like, this is a misinterpretation. This misunderstanding can be cleared up. It's going to take a lot of us. It's going to take a community. Yeah. It's going to take getting rid of the ABA in America, which luckily they have gotten rid of in the UK. Yeah. I don't think this happens today in the UK. The UK has much more awareness around autism. I don't think this happens to a tennis star today in the UK.
0: Like I this. would hope not, because that's insane. That is a remarkable level of ableism directed at one human being. Yeah, over tennis.
1: Horrible. We love sharing stories of autistic culture. And if you are seeing yourself in any of these stories and you're wondering if maybe you're one of us or maybe you're already diagnosed or self-diagnosed and you want to know if Matt can help you live your life better and be more authentically autistic, check out his website at mattlowrylpp.com. That's Matt, M-A-T-T, Lowry, L-O-W-R-Y. And then that LPP, it stands for Licensed Psychological Practitioner. So head on over to MattLowryLPP.com and learn more about working with my buddy, Matt. So John McEnroe hates himself does drugs, sex, the things to escape, all the self-medicating things we do. Luckily, I didn't hear about him. He eloped, yep.
0: Yeah, he eloped into drugs and sex and uh, anything to get him out of that headspace.
1: Right, and then of course that goes into the stereotype. He's the bad boy, right? So it all nice, like proves the thought there. And he even says to this day, uh, empathy i wasn't good at empathy he says empathy wasn't my strong suit it was my weak it was my weakest suit actually okay so he thinks he's bad at empathy. I question that because of this so he is thirty one years old, and here's what's going on with him
0: oh wow. I made an awful lot more money than I ever thought I would make, he said. I gladly take less money on a personal level. In sports, we are grossly overpaid. Uh, I feel bad about the money I make when I see homeless people on the street. I always advocate that teachers, firemen, policemen should be paid much more than they are. I do send money to the fireman's fund. When I see something about people being hungry in Africa, I like to call up and make a donation. I don't keep exact track of what I donate, but I've been told by my father and my accountants it should be a minimum of $200,000 to $250,000 a year to charity, he said. That's my goal.
1: At that point, he was making a yeah. million dollars a year. Yeah, uh, that's that's a a fourth of his income. Yeah, very, very lack of donates, empathy. Do you see the lack a, of empathy? A fourth of his
0: income donated to needy people. That's not a kind of thing that uh, a, a narcissistic monster would do.
1: At 31. Wow. So he to date, he has given tens of millions of dollars to charity. I'm going to share some of them with you. He is the most philanthropic, incredibly generous, incredibly empathetic person. And when he talks about walking through the streets of New York, doing the grid pattern in his head, practicing his game, walking through New York and seeing homeless people, he would just give them whatever he had. He literally could feel, I would say even he is hyper empathic.
0: We could link to that article that just showed that autistic people actually are hyper empathic. Yeah. Yeah.
1: There's a new research. That was like new research. I think you just posted on yeah. that, right? It just came out
0: like, well, uh, at this point earlier this week, but by the time mm-hmm. this is published, maybe a month, maybe two mm-hmm. years ago. I don't know. <laughs> when <you're listening laughs> what to this, are you listener? listening? We don't Who know. <laughs> but yeah, uh, autistic people due to our hyper connected neurology tend to have hyper empathy as well. And this really seems reflective of that.
1: So he sees, obviously he's talking about, uh, it's a little weight saviorist now, but this is during uh, like Feed the World, the Band-Aid campaign, Live Aid, all that. So he's talking about, you know, the e- famine in Ethiopia. He's talking about seeing hungry people, which, you know, a lot of that money was stolen. It's not great, but still he is watching that and he feels it. He sees the firemen and the policemen and the teachers and he's saying, How come I'm making more money as a sports person? So, what does he do? It's the same thing all the billionaires do today. They're like, This is too much money for me. Let me distribute it. Oh, wait. Yeah. No, the billionaires aren't doing that.
0: No, no, no. no. They, they are. That's in Autistica. Call Our billionaires in yeah. Autistica exactly. do that. Yeah.
1: Like, imagine that we're in Autistica and people who are like, Oh, Even though I'm only 31, I can realize I shouldn't be making a million dollars. And a teacher in 1990 probably makes twenty thousand dollars a year. Let me give some of my money to teachers and even this out. That's what. that's That's how we do money in Autistica.
0: That is. That is very impressive of him.
1: Yeah. So, I I could go on and on. Some of the stuff he has done is literally incredible. Uh, obviously, Hudson River is key in New York. He loves New York, loves walking around the river. He uh, have for a long time has been associated with Riverkeeper, which is a major conservation charity. He's an environmentalist. I He feels like the pain of what's happening to our planet. Um, he has chaired the um, city parks tennis um, and raised millions of dollars for New York City's Municipal Youth Tennis League. He has the Johnny Mac Tennis Project, again, millions of dollars. And his mission statement is uh, to change young lives by removing the racial, economic, and social barriers to success through tennis to thousands of under-resourced New York City area children. That's amazing. So fucking cool. He is so cool. Wow. Uh, Alliance for Lupus Research, All Stars Helping Kids, Bicycle for a Day, Bone Marrow Foundation, City Parks, we talked about Habitat for Humanity, Sports for Good Foundation, Make-A-Wish Foundation, New York Restoration Project, uh, NY Class, Project Sun River Keepers, plus his own tennis uh, charity. They've gotten... I think, $58 million in college scholarships for their kids. Holy Even, God. He is an incredibly generous philanthropist. He is always out there. When asked uh, who was the person who he got to meet that had the biggest impact on him and he met everyone, uh, he says Nelson Mandela and talks about uh, meeting Mandela in the 80s as something that completely changed his life. Wow. Um, and he has dedicated his life to service. And, you know, I'm, he, by no means does the dude live like a pauper. He's got six kids, he's got a rock star wife. I'm sure, they've got a couple nice houses, but he donates back a, a lot of his earnings to that the world. That is
0: amazing.
1: Yeah. It's very, very cool. Um, talked about earlier how he was into art. So we talked about how his wife mentioned he was into art. So we yes. have an amazing give back story. It ties into our Warhol is autistic oh, uh, nice. episode. So, He becomes an art collector. He is super obsessed with art. He's super obsessed with collecting. He is, in fact, so obsessed with collecting that he opens a gallery in Manhattan. Oh, that's Um, cool. So, yeah. That is a
0: dream right there. Right.
1: I know. It's so good. Wow. Um, And when he sells paintings from his gallery. He does all uh, contemporary art. When he sells paintings from his gallery, they give a big percentage to the charities in New York that he supports, which is cool. But he also just has this great eye for curation. And in the 80s in New York, this bad boy, he is on the scene and he ends up going a lot to studio 54 actually with Bjorn Borg, who he becomes friends with and parties with Warhol. Wow. So he, you
0: can't get more autistic right? than partying with Warhol. Except, wow. Neat.
1: And this is kind of before this is like in the, you know, 84, 85, this is before he's become the big art collector with a gallery that he is today. But he thinks that Warhol is his actual quote in his book is mediocre. So and then when Warhol dies, he's like, all of a sudden, everyone's going, he's the world's greatest. And I'm like, unbelievable. He is 100 percent not the world's greatest. And I will say, I love Warhol, but. I do think Warhol is a bit of a joke, like even from himself, like he's like, I'll put the tomato soup cans on the front and the right. grilled cheese on the back and I'll make a billion dollars. OK, give me your money.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because cause he realized that he could totally exploit people by saying, yes, look at this. Art. It's a mystery. <laughs> yeah. I, I just like uh, the grilled cheese and tomato right. soup. It's what does it mean? Now.
1: Mm, we'll yeah. never know. And yeah. John McEnroe was basically like, dude, the emperor has no clothes. And Andy Warhol did not enjoy having McEnroe at his parties because he was like, that dude, that dude's not got no clothes. So he's like, they have like a little bit of attention. <laughs> I think they're both right. Not in front of the door. Yeah, dormers. exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Don't let them see. Um, but there is a charity auction. It's a little bit of a front-of-me situation. So there's a charity auction and Warhol, I think this is in eighty five, I think. He had just married Tatum O'Neill. Warhol puts a painting up. And so it is a pair of portraits. McEnroe bids $30,000 for this charity auction. I don't know what charity it was, but somebody made money off of it. And Warhol came to their house. He photographed them first. And then, and I'll put the picture in the show notes, he painted portraits of McEnroe and Tatum O'Neill. And of course they have this ugly divorce and it's horrible. And Tatum O'Neill loses custody and gets dragged out. So like John McInerney is not going to have a picture of him and Tatum O'Neill in his living room. So these are in storage. Like they're Warhols. They're original Warhols of very famous 80s stars. But what's he doing with these things? So in 2008, he's like, I got a lot of charities I want to give money to. So he goes to Sotheby's and he says, let's do a charity auction. I've got this rare Warhol. Everyone thinks Warhol is so great. Let's make some money for my charities. And he makes $400,000 by selling oh these pictures God. of him in Tatum O'Neal that he bought for $30,000, gives 100% of that money to charity because no empathy. That's what you do.
0: <laughs> uh, <sighs> wow. That is really impressive. Like our show? Here's how you can help. When you tell someone about this show, it helps make the world a friendlier place for autistic people. And when you rate or review us in your podcast player, it helps people find us. It really matters. And if you're PDA, I totally understand. Uh, uh, You cannot not do this and it will still work out.
1: Okay, so eighty-five. We're we're in the home stretch now, folks. But uh, in eighty-five, he goes through this huge autistic burnout. Ends up getting divorced in eighty-seven. Uh, at this point, decides he was doomed. This is you know shortly after he's been voted the worst person on earth after Attila the Hun and Hitler, and he was. Uh, very, very, very deep in anxiety, burnout, depression. Um, He took a sabbatical and then that didn't work. He went back to tennis and immediately it was just as bad. Like he's like, I've taken so much time off. Why didn't this solve it? That didn't solve it. Had lots of sex. That didn't solve it. Uh, Cocaine though, he says, well, it didn't exactly help, but it worked in the short term. So,
0: (laughs) yeah, cocaine will distract you a bit.
1: Uh, His son uh, said, as an adult in the in the film, observed, it was so clear to me that even the highest degree of professional success wouldn't make me happy. He said it didn't provide my father the happiness he was hoping for. And then John McEnroe says of, of doing the cocaine at that time was, uh, it was absurd what I did to sabotage myself. Right. Wow. And he says he went to yeah. 37 psychologists.
0: Wow. Well, given the fact that many you know, were court ordered. a lot of traditional, <laughs> Yeah. And a lot of traditional therapy doesn't work for us because they they do the whole, where are you feeling? None, and we don't do that
1: because of intersection not, not feeling the things in any of the places. Thanks. Yeah. And wouldn't know how to talk about it if I did. Hello, alexithymia.
0: So he yeah. says, I've
1: tried everything, even you know, court ordered, he managed to stay out of jail, but he's like, I've never been able to figure out why I sabotaged myself. Check out that ableism, completely blaming himself. He's like, the therapist kept wanting to say, like, it was my parents, like, look at my childhood trauma. He's like, it was not my parents. He's like, if anything, it was me. It was my human frailty that caused wow. me to melt down. I would say it is being an autistic person in an holistic world that would cause almost anyone to melt down.
0: Yeah. Very so, much so
1: makes perfect sense, especially without the tools. And, um, anyway, he has the tools now. And part of that is having yeah. a healthy relationship. And I loved this podcast. So Marlo Thomas and Phil Donahue, do this podcast. It's called Double Date. It's super cute. They go to wow. New York couples' houses and they just record a podcast having a double date. So Marlo Thomas That's and fantastic. in theory Phil Donahue, but I think he had COVID that day. Uh, so it was Marlo Thomas alone, went over to Patty Smythe, I am a warrior, 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 her, nice. and uh, John McEnroe's house. And they sit down for this interview and the very first thing that John McEnroe says to Patty in a very loving way is You gotta stop moving because the noise you're making on that chair is driving me crazy. <laughs> Seriously i get you i got you i get you (laughs) So
0: i feel you john and
1: patty is there for it 28 years great kids great marriage and she says the thing that keeps their marriage strong is that she can always count on the fact that no one has a better moral compass than john Awesome. And then she talks about uh he yells a lot. She's like, he still yells, but it's really funny because yeah. it's like so big and then it's totally over and he doesn't even remember it.
0: <laughs> yeah, Yeah, well, that's the, our emotional intensity. Our amygdala kicks into fight or flight mode. We are upset, and then we're not upset when it goes. <laughs> yeah, back so to she normal. said
1: it took her a while to catch on to that, but she's like, Oh, it's not actually a big deal. It's oh, I got it. So
0: that is his expression What of I
1: love, love, love about this story, it gets a happy ending. John goes from being misunderstood to seen and loved, which is what I wish for all autistic people. And I'm going to give Patty uh, the last word here on this. She says, everyone thinks I married a bad boy, but I just married a bad boy who turned out to actually be a really, really good man.
0: Oh, I, I like that. <laughs> I, I really hope that he finds more vo- because that's the thing about this website. I hope that everyone checks it out because it is not the website of someone who is trying to just right. get work. <laughs> this is this is this is someone who is extraordinarily passionate about this and wants you to fucking it really know does. it <laughs> because everything about this screams. Look at this! Look at this now! I want this, this badly. Is so good.
1: I really and want you to listen. I think I'm doing is, a good job. Am I, I doing a good job? Will you yeah. listen? Will you give me feedback?
0: Yeah. It is I mean, I I truly unironically love this website and I really hope you all Did check it out. Did you see the page out. where he's holding and, his business card? He's like, "Call yes, me. This yes, is my business yes. card." <laughs> I am. It makes me enthusiastic on his behalf. And I don't know if that's the message he's going for, but oh, my God, it works on me. And seriously, I I I would be down for him recording episode 46. (laughs) You know, (laughs) we're going to get you some voiceover work,
1: Johnny Mac.
0: (laughs) Yeah, because uh, honest to God, this man looks like this is something that he loves and he is he is telling us as such this is a special interest and oh my god it's i am so there. so good
1: it. i really did i thought so. it was a joke website i was like <laughs> i can't believe he doesn't have a website the only thing i can find is this one making fun of him and then I was like, oh, yeah. that is his website. Yeah.
0: It is yeah, especially with all the merch and everything. He is just he is on it and he says this is what I am about. Hire yeah. me now. And like, hot damn, my friend. I didn't well, get back I, to, I to I his that is I didn't excellent. get back to
1: his guitar playing. So you'll have to look that up for yourself. But basically, special interests are wow. tennis, guitar, also obsessed, art collecting. And now voiceover work. So lots of special interests, monotropic focus. You know, he's going to be the best at it in the world because that's how he rolls. Huge sense of justice. Uh, Definitely. I think we have a persistent demand for autonomy, even if it costs him his international reputation. Um, But he has uh, he is very persistent in that possibly some rejection sensitivity stuff going on that's unmanaged, um, or at least was at that time. Um, the other thing I didn't talk about, which is so powerful when you follow him is lifelong friendships. He is the most loyal person. Yeah. He talks about his friendship with Vitas Garolitis, who is another tennis player who died, Billie Jean Kigg, Jimmy Connors, Bjorn Borg, so many friendships that have carried him through, and the importance of friends and music. His music friends like any better. He
0: has like a Goku Vegeta thing going on with Bjorn Borg, (laughs) where they were initially enemies, but now they have become (laughs) friends. So. He's very
1: respect-based. Like, it's not about the hierarchy. It's not just because you rank higher or lower. Like, he talks in very specific details about what he learned from different players. And that's, like, where the relationship comes from is that respect. This is the way. Uh, He was asked in one of the interviews I listened to, if you could change one thing about tennis, what would it be? Not surprisingly, he says, get rid of the line judges. (laughs) (laughs) he's like why are they gonna how about truth why are we just giving them authority that makes no sense i like that
0: i like that a lot
1: anyway that was my sports ball story how did we do
0: i I, I like him. This is a good sports yeah. I am I am proud to welcome him to Autistica. This is fantastic. Yes. well, that was
1: our Improbability Drive, episode 42. Let's finish strong. Matt, tell us something you love about being autistic this week.
0: Ah, this week, this week has uh, been a rough one because uh, it is, we are, we are working on doing a presentation to prevent autistic suicide. And it's great that we're getting so much input from autistic people. And I'm glad for that. But at the same time, it's kind of rough that so many autistic people have been put in a position where they consider Mm -hmm. suicide. And it's, it's rough that there are even more Autistic people that we have missed and we have lost yeah. to suicide, but I'm 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 very grateful that we do have the people that are participating in this. And again, if you are one of the person, if you have combated suicide in the past or are combating it now, please reach out and be a part of the discussion because our goal is to help make resources because again there's a lot of resources for neurotypical people who feel suicidal but so many autistic people feel despair because again if somebody rejects you on a global level if you don't have access to the resources that you need if you feel helpless and hopeless and it's hard to get through the day it's hard to continue going on and
1: like John McEnroe could afford twenty seven therapists. How many people can afford twenty seven therapists? Like
0: exactly, exactly,
1: and that and that still didn't work. But yeah. still, it's like the extra frustration if you don't have money to throw at the problem. And, you know, I know the rules of the game are we're supposed to share the National Suicide Helpline. I absolutely refuse to do that. Yeah. Um, that definitely sent me as close to suicide as I've ever gotten. They give you detailed instructions yeah. of exactly. I don't know who that hotline is for. I do not believe it is for autistic people. No do and not call why, that number that's all we have
0: we have to make a whole new set of resources you have the community reach out to autistic connections our facebook yeah. group because autistic connections on facebook we will be there for you uh that i believe we also have that on the page and in the show notes we do we do and Please join us. If this is if you feel suicidal, reach out to us, be part of Autistica and we, we will be happy to have you and ha- make your voice heard and we will help you get your needs met.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, the answer, I think, is twofold. It's like making our community strong. And Mm -hmm. then building bridges to people who love autistic people, which there Mm -hmm. are lots of us. So you probably love one of us. If you are listening and you're holistic, I appreciate that. We did a survey in Autistic Connections recently Um, and it was super fun to get everybody's input on what they wanted to hear on the show. So we've got lots of your suggestions coming up, mini episodes and interviews and lots of different fun requests. And one of the things I loved is the uh, holistic people who asked like, hey, is it cool? I love your podcast. Is it cool if I contribute to this survey too? Is this an autistic only space or... Is my voice welcome and helpful? And I say, yes, autistic yes, people. If you absolutely. want to be here, we want you to visit Autistica just as much as France wants you to visit visit Paris. We'll we'll yeah. give you a baguette. Sit down with us.
0: We we are more than happy to have you because we we love it when you reach out to understand us. And if if you are an ally of our people, we are happy to have you.
1: Yes. For sure. So share your comments. Uh, You can subscribe for free on Substack. Just go to autisticculture.substack.com and then we will send you reminders when new episodes come out. Our podcast is always free, but we've got some extra goodies if you decide that you would want to donate. Uh, This podcast is a labor of love. So we don't make any money off of it. But if you do decide to become a paid subscriber, All of that goes to paying the expenses that go with this, which apparently mean Matt's (laughs) Wi-Fi might need an extra donation. And if you do become a founding member, though, uh, part of your contribution will go towards the Acadia Health Center that Matt is building in Kentucky, where they definitely need it. Absolutely. So uh, thank you, guys. We will see you next week for another episode of the Autistic Culture Podcast.
0: Have a good one.
1: Thanks for listening to the Autistic Culture Podcast.
0: If you like this show, you can help other people find it by taking a few minutes to rate and review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts.
1: You can find out more about writing your book with me at differencepress.com. That's difference, D-I-F-F-E-R-E-N-C-E, press, P-R-E-S-S.com or
0: getting a psychological evaluation or consult with me at www.mattlowerylpp.com. That's M-A-T-T, Matt Lowry, L-O-W-R-Y, L-P-P, as in licensed psychological
1: practitioner.com. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. And remember,
0: no one ever changed the world by being like everyone else.
1: Special thanks to our content manager, River Robbins, and Aaron Stoner, our producer for making us look and sound good.